0: Good morning and welcome to your Daily Game Face. I'm Dr. Kim Landon. I'm here with Lou Blasey, who's been holding out on me. I haven't
1: been holding out on you.
0: Okay, so I just found out that after all the time I've been doing these shows, Lou has two cats. Yeah, well, there's two cats
1: living
0: in the house. He never has mentioned to me yeah. that he has two cats. And the reason why we're talking about it is because I'm here today with Rocky, the rock star, who's now stuck underneath the chair. <laughs> Come here. Oh, no, no. Oh, no okay <laughs> <laughs> he's got himself all twirled up around the chair hold on everyone take a pause before the dog jumps to death? Rocky okay is so that's cute. not gonna work okay so I have Rocky the rock star who's now under the desk licking my feet
1: okay <laughs> he's that might have been TMI but okay
0: Well, he is licking, okay, he did lick my feet anyway yeah. so Rocky is a little Maltese mm-hmm. and I'm babysitting for 11 days
1: oh that what he is a Maltese? yes yeah I believe so. Is he an adult?
0: He's eight months old, and but he's as big as he's going to get. He's gonna as big get. as he's going to get. Do you all want to see him?
1: Yeah. Yeah, everyone wants <laughs> to see him, of course.
0: Tell are you little
1: munchkin. This. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that face.
0: And he's a licker. Yeah. And we actually have named him Gene Simmons because he's the longest tongue I've ever seen on a dog. So he's rock star, Rocky, and Gene Simmons, all in one. God of thunder. And he... And he's incredibly dependent. And if and if I am not in the room, as you just noticed, when I went to the bathroom, he barks. He barks. So.
1: He's got quite a bark. Yes, he does. It's not a little yippy bark. It's
0: no, he's it's a Gene Simmons
1: bark. It's it's raspy and it's. uh...
0: Okay, so anyway, (laughs) so here we are. So the benefits of mental health and pets. Yep. (laughs) This is wonderful because they make you really happy. And
1: not cats. And, oh, yeah.
0: look, John says he's a good pooch because John hasn't done anything with him because he's I took him on as my yes. babysitting position. And John is just like, John's right. <laughs> John, do not comment back to Lou. <laughs> um, John's right. John's right. So I did go to the gym last night and I had to leave. him. Was
1: John in the room for the negotiations? John. Did you talk with him about having this dog over? No. Okay. Yeah. So it was a unilateral decision.
0: Oh, uh, well, yeah, but I'm the boss, right? <laughs> See, I'm the boss. That's right. Look at the cute face. Like, I'm the boss. Yep. Mm.
1: <laughs> a little mop.
0: See, Amy, Amy, Amy's joining us and she recently has lost her little bubby. Oh. And so it's time for a new one. And she says, no. <laughs> oh, really? So, but look, Amy, if you're watching Amy, look how cute. Look, he's (laughs) little. He doesn't take a lot of effort. And since I'm a cat person, look, he's like smaller than all my cats combined. My cats are not happy that he's in the house. Oh, I can't uh, imagine. He's in his own little world in his (laughs) own little space.
1: No, we're sorry, Amy. Pet pet losses are hard. Really. Pet
0: pet losses are brutal. Yeah. So speaking of pet losses. um, But the good
1: thing is they never really go away.
0: No. Well, you mean the memory of them? Well, they're kind
1: of there all the time. My dog, you know, you have a dog in your lifetime. You have a dog usually. No,
0: I've never had a dog. No, I mean,
1: you are a pet. You have a cat that kind of sticks with you. Yes. Right. There's one cat that's. Kalila. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Charlie was that. He was an Australian Shepherd. And it's like I think about him like every second or third day. It's never really far. yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, so Kalila, my cat, who's my little soulmate, she Mm. will be passed exactly five years next Tuesday. Yep. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about her because she was my thing, my baby. Yep. She was the child. Um,
1: Everyone's got that one pet. Yeah. I mean, you love all your pets. We love them all. Yeah. No.
0: And they're all, right. But yeah, they're all important. And
1: I had a cat that I was attached to.
0: Oh, you you had point. a cat that you were attached to. Yes, Grizz. wow. When was this?
1: This is uh, late eighties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, okay. And yeah. you have two cats living in the house, house now. Yes. That you failed to ever mention. Yep. That's good. Great. So, I don't know why you didn't mention them to me, but nonetheless. I, so anyway, so like I animals. Said, came out. I wasn't going to talk about this day, but since you are going to see him today and next Wednesday. Um uh, animals are really good for your mental health. Oh, yeah. And there's tremendous amount of research on what animals do for you, whether you have a horse, a dog, a cat, a monkey. Some have made cases for peacocks, which I peacock. kind of a remember when the whole thing came out with animal support or support animals and people want to take everything under the sun on a plane. Like they want to take their pig and they want yeah. to take their one of them was a peacock. They want mm. to take their peacock. So I'm not sure. I don't know any research has been done on a peacock per se, but I definitely know that there is research galore on cats, dogs, and, um, horses, Horses, and there is some stuff on monkeys. And then of course the military works with dolphins because dolphins are incredibly intelligent and all pretty much all mammals are sentient beings. So they have cognizance of emotion and ability to, right detect other emotion because they're probably the most empathetic it, oh well and there we go he's yep. barking at the gear shift on the wall okay those little gears Come here. Right. and he's sitting like really solid like i'm not coming in <laughs> like <laughs> yeah you've been so good all week um but there but the so many people think that animals you know well not as many now because especially since the pandemic unfortunately the the animal bump went up yeah tremendously and it made it into a huge business and then of course there's been a lot of returns so what a lot of the shelters and a lot of the breeders more of the shelters have done is that you cannot you cannot just take it and then say i'm going to return it you have to if or 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 put it into a shelter if you don't want it you have like breeders are making you return it to them if you decide that you don't want yeah. the animals so that it's not just left out into right. the cold, which is usually what people would do, unfortunately, or they would just send it off to a shelter. Like I don't want it anymore. Or, you know, recently, horrifically, this is awful. And I'm sure you've seen this in your years, but more recently I've seen multiple cases on social media of, of reach outs to people saying, I have a 14 or 15 year old cat and somebody's moving in with me and they're allergic. So I have to give it away. And it's like, devastating like how, yeah. you don't understand that 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 breaks that animal's heart because it's close to you and you can't it's not just something like oh the yeah, cat think how the traumatic that feel. Is the it's animal, like yeah. wait a second that whole bond goes away yeah. and you can't do that so yeah it's but animals bring tons to your life so cats for sure are soothing dogs, different breeds do different things, right? Because, but cats like detect a lot of emotion because they're super empathetic. They're like that higher sense of um, cognizance of understanding, but then dogs have that super sense of like, you know, what they can hear underneath, what they can sense in terms of like cancer and detecting like illnesses or things around the house. I mean, Cats and dogs both, I think, are great house alarms. If you don't have an actual house alarm, <laughs> they can detect things way before we can and right. are super good at it. So I can always tell in my house if something's around because it's all the ears go yep. up and everyone pins to the same spot. And, you know, oh, something's up. Mm-hmm. So um, but I think that they're fantastic. And obviously, you know, that I use I think, you know, that I use my utilize animal assisted therapy for my um, practice with my, with three of my cats. Oh. One
1: is in training. mm mm-hmm. tired. Yeah.
0: And one well, so one is in training, two are useful. The one in training is a little woo, he's a lot. So he's in training because I only let him be with certain people that are really good with cats and know like, you know, that when he's done, he's done being pet. But he'll come to you if he really likes you and he'll sit with you and then but you have to watch him.
1: So how does that work? You have him in the session?
0: Um how does that work? Well, so there's a, there's a process. First of all, you have to get the permit. So there's a technical process. First, you have to get the permission of a person. If they would like to have that as part of their therapy, or is you know, is it okay that they, that the animals in the space, yep. then you usually have to make sure that you indemnify yourself that, you know, you have to warn that, you know, there's a, there's a, an unknown about all animals that, you know, they, sure. they're animals. So they could not like you and they could right. um, never had that incident. Um usually with good, Calm cats or dogs, you don't know, have that issue. Um, So uh, I'm just making sure. Uh, uh, uh. Hold, please. We're chewing on a wire.
1: Okay. Oh yeah, no, that's not good.
0: Uh-huh. No, that's not good. No. Okay. So see now, I shouldn't have brought. We you don't want Come that here. happening. Come here. There's no chewing on wires. You're killing my show. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> um, what was I saying? <laughs> you said you were
1: doing the process of. Uh, oh, so so animal when therapy.
0: you so when you introduce them, mm-hmm. um you, you, I don't match a cat with someone. I just know that the cats that I have are really good at detecting. So if they know someone's not feeling well or they're feeling sad or whatever, they usually just go over and either they bump them on the legs or they jump up on the couch and they sit with them, they purr or they sit nearby, Mm -hmm. at least soothing enough. So, or they sit, I have a window ledge and they're very entertaining because they'll sit and they'll jump off and they'll do things and they're funny and yep. whatever. So it's very nice. But I used to bring Kalila, my cat that I was just telling you about the past five years ago, I used to bring her to my other office and I used to have, and she would be with everybody. Yeah. Cause she was an exceptionally brilliant, um, well-tuned cat. And she just was so sweet with everybody. And, um, was very loving. And so she would work a lot with my, with my veterans, mm-hmm. PTSD yep. and, um, you know, sit in the lap and she'd let them pet and she'd purr and she'd be just loving. And when it was over, she just jumped down. It was over. Mm-hmm. Like she knew. Yep. And when she passed, it was really hard for a lot of my
1: oh, clients because yeah.
0: Yeah. they had formed a bond over many years with her. So it was, it's a, it's a very nice, essential piece of doing therapy with people um, because it brings another element of soothing to the person without them having to talk about certain things, or it brings out some of the things that they could talk about because it brings up like childhood memories yep. or their own animals or things that have happened that aren't so good. And think, you know, it's loss. And um, so it brings up a way to talk about things that you wouldn't normally, which is good for healthy minds. Um, hey, <laughs> he's staring <laughs> at me. um But, uh but it's also got that other side to it. So it's, a you know, it's really good for kids because it's like, you know, that life lesson of, Following along with an animal that you don't necessarily have to own. Right. Um, I always check to make sure people aren't allergic, or you know, it's always a permission-based sure. thing. So, so animal-assisted therapy (AAT) is really you have to have a. It's different than a support emotional support animal. It's not the same thing, and it's not the same thing as a service animal. Mm-hmm. So, in animal-assisted therapy, you're you have a clinician like me that's licensed in their practice. Whatever it's either as a doctor like i am or a social worker or whatever and then you have the animal who's either certified and or has been trained and or right Mm -hmm. and they are a a tool to get more information out of someone without actually having to do anything because they make the environment comfortable and warm and inviting and things like that so Dogs are really easy to train. There's tons of programs all over the country for training an animal assisted therapy dog. Mm -hmm. Um, The cat piece is a little bit different because (sighs) there aren't as many. Well, there aren't as many at all. There's like one or two, but um, there's protocols that we follow that um, when I originally got certified as a therapist to do animal assisted therapy a few years back, um, it was just about following certain protocol when you have certain animals. Horses go through the equestrian piece. Um, they're just, and they, that's been around for quite some time. And we use that. There's a few farms around here and all over the country, you'll find great equestrian centers that have, or just horse stables that Mm -hmm. offer it out to kids on the spectrum, kids with anxiety and depression or behavioral issues. There's whole programs for veterans and um, people with mood related disorders or people who are autistic and and, uh, struggling in adulthood with, you know, mental retardation, Mm -hmm. which is the old school way of saying it, but people who are below the standard level of IQ functioning um, to be politically correct. Um, But, you know, you can go in and and do anything from ride the horses, groom the horses or muck the stalls and just be around them and pet them and just walk them. Um, It's just the matter of being in the environment and having um, just a different venue of being around connected with an animal. Animals are unconditionally loving. Mm -hmm. They're very forgiving um that's and, a very
1: safe relationship.
0: And they're very right. And and human beings, especially in those conditions I just talked about, like especially addiction and, and yeah. trauma, the one thing that people are always looking for is connection. And they're not looking for it necessarily with people, but they right. get it with their animals. So horse therapy. Well,
1: because the, people have judgment, people will push back. Right. Animals, it's very unconditional. Animals don't they're judge just me. safe and yeah.
0: Right. And they won't and they won't technically they don't bite you essentially, like yeah. like another human being would would right. hurt you. So the Um, And that's one of the wonderful things about horses. And I don't know if you know this, but horses um, build a bond with you right away. Uh, Cats and dogs will, too, a little bit differently. But horses, um, as soon as you walk up to them, they smell you and they never forget your smell. Oh, really? So yeah, I don't know much about
1: horses. I haven't had much time with horses.
0: So horses are, are pretty amazing in the fact that they will always recognize you once they catch your smell and they have good detection of you know it's like cats and dogs they know if you're a good person or not you can always tell it's like Mm -hmm. if dog or cats like i'm out right (laughs) a horse will also not give in the same way and it doesn't mean all horses will feel the same way about some person but certain horses will detect certain things and and pick up on that and give the, the signals to the trainers or whatever so it's a pretty interesting process and it's um it's just like i said it's been really well researched and it's been really well run in terms of programming and we're using it a lot now right here in our own area. If people are in the in the area here, Ironstone Farm in yeah. Andover, Massachusetts. And then there's- um, My daughter there's,
1: volunteered there for, there's what, t- four years, I think. Yeah.
0: It, there's volunteer opportunities all mm-hmm. the time. There's opportunities for treatment programs for just people to come in and bring your kids. I mean, it's just they, a lot of the places that have just standard horse farms and horse barns, they have these programs for people. And they're, they're really important. Now, talk about cardiovascular health from like last week. Animal assisted therapy helps with um, lowering your cardiovascular risk because it lowers your heart rate, it brings your blood pressure down, it tends to lower your cortisol levels, which is your stress hormone. Mm-hmm your anxiety hormone, and so on and so forth. So, oh, I see lots of comments coming up, but I'm not reading them because I'm trying to hold on to the dog and talk and look at the <laughs> screen at the same time. So, yeah. Lou, really quickly, who's saying what? Because I see lots of comments uh, popping up.
1: Amy's saying Stone Farm is amazing. Yes. And uh, Joseph says, my dad owned racehorses, and you are absolutely correct.
0: Oh, there we go. H-
1: ra- horses have personalities, too. I yes. mean, dogs have their own personalities, too. And so do cats. And so, yeah, good. Yes, set so of cats.
0: Yeah, whatever. You're like whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. They well they well they do, and that and so that's what I'm saying about there's um it's one of the best ways for people, especially like when I go back to talking about trauma, when people have had um you know war trauma or sexual abuse trauma or or neglect in you know childhood, horses are such a um, well-connected animal because they're intuitive in a different way than a dog or a cat is. And, and they also have a way of um, loving you in a different way. <clears throat> and, um, and, you know, you can't take it home and jump in bed and cuddle with it. Right. But the, the love that you can get because a horse will understand you in a very different way. And if you've never done this and you've never gone to a place, I highly recommend just going and hanging out with a horse for like a few hours because they are, if they like you Mm -hmm. and you bond with them, they are just incredibly loving and um, they get you and they're soothing because they just, they'll lean up against you and they know if you're hurting. So they're very good detectors of that. Um,
1: People dealing with trauma, the safety is going to be huge people just being able to hang out with another being that, that is just safe and unconditional, right?
0: Well, and that's the thing is it's the safety and the unconditional love and, and support and the no judgment and, And there's also a piece that I think when I've been around this, doing it with some of my clients is with horses is the quietness. Yeah. You know, the just the peacefulness of it, because there's no barking. (laughs) There's no barking. Occasionally there's like, you know, a little trill or something out of a horse with you, but by and large, it's nice and peaceful, especially if you take them for a walk and you're not, even if you're not riding, if you just, you don't need to be, and you don't need to be a rider. Right. You don't know how, you don't need to know how to ride a horse to be in, horse or equine therapy you just need to know how to go to a barn and pet a horse or be around a horse Mm -hmm. um i have two clients that love just mucking stalls they just to be around the whole atmosphere they go in clean the horse stall because it gives them a sense of purpose and accomplishment and they feel like they're giving back to an animal that's giving to them but there's no there's no strings attached
1: plus it's kind of like cheers everybody knows your smell you go in and the horses you know you have a relationship they're happy to see you you know
0: Right. And now they've learned you forever. And and dogs and dogs learn you as well. And cats will learn you as well. But it's it's very specific to horses if they do that.
1: Joanne wants
0: to Um, see. Oh Joanne just joined. She wants to see the dog. Well the dog is sleeping, but there you go, Joanne. Here's the dog. God look at that face. The (laughs) lickiwoo. Looks
1: like Um, a albino wookie.
0: an albino wookie wow we got yeah. gene simmons the yeah. albino
1: wookie well it is me the first so.
0: oh my goodness yeah he only knew what we were saying Yeah. he's just happy to just be sitting in my lap because he's not he'd be barking super
1: happy he's like just energy he's what he's just energy just a little ball of energy oh my
0: god he is he's yeah. so excited yeah he's so excited that's good as long as he doesn't pee on me <laughs> i've had no accidents it's all good so um
1: i'm sure i'd love horses but I just haven't had a lot of time with them dogs. I just love, I mean.
0: Well, and well, the best thing about the horses is you don't have to own a horse. Yeah. So you can go to any of these farms. So like I said, Ironstone Farm is in Andover. There's a place in Tewksbury, Mass. um, That's on Tewksbury State Hospital grounds, the farm. I think it's changed names now, but it's the farm. I'm sure if Kristen's listening, you could chime in and say what the name of it actually is. But it used to be the farm. Um, And then all spattered all over the country. If you go down to Florida, down to Wellington, where they have very expensive horses, (laughs) you can go and do that. And that's where all the, you know, you can buy a horse for $150,000. Oh, yeah. In Wellington, Florida. Yeah. So just in case you wanted to go there, they have no hotels. You can probably buy a in, like, house in Wellington, Florida
1: for $150,000. You what? You can probably buy a house in Wellington, Florida for $150,000.
0: Um, You could buy the door of a house oh, for well, $150,000 It's a high-end Wellington. neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I, <laughs> yeah. The whole house? No. <laughs> Pretty much no. Yeah. Um, But anyway, um, so I wasn't going to talk about any of this, but this was perfect because we did talk about cardiovascular health last week. So Mm -hmm. this is a perfect tie into the fact that if you have a pet or if you don't, don't get one just to use it for this. Because if you haven't had a pet, you shouldn't just pick up and own a pet without, you know, knowledge of what you're getting into because they are a lot of work. I personally don't own dogs and there's a reason after now taking care of this dog I reaffirms <laughs> why I don't own dogs yeah. or they don't own me. Um love them. Love this little thing, but they're va- I like cats because they're not as codependent. Yep. And they they make you dogs make you codependent. There's yes. no way you can get away from um, the codependent relationship of ownership of a dog right. unless you neglect them. So it's a 24 it's like having a child. It's a 24 hour seven day a week (laughs) commitment. And so, um, yeah. And they have a schedule. It's very different than cats or other things. Horses. Yes. You have a schedule, but not in the same way. So, um, if you have a dog or a cat and you're already there, great. If you don't be really mindful of the pets that you pick. So, and if, if a dog or cat is even too much for you, um, certainly, I know it's going to sound weird and for some people, but, um, rats actually make a really, I had a rat, um, And he was a wonderful, sweet, they're very smart, obviously. Yep. Um, And they're very clean, actually. And we're not talking about the ones that come from the sewer and the subway in New York or Boston. Yep. But rats are super smart and super loving and very um, soothing. And it sounds weird, but I had a rat. His name was Smokey. He was lovely. He died of cancer. Because as all rats are pretty much inbred with lab rats somewhere along the line of their chain and eventually form tumors. Yep. Usually it's a disastrous end, but I had him for many years and I had him surgery for his removal of his cancer and then he passed away. But um, so rats are really good for that. Hamsters for like kids and even some adults and guinea pigs. So mm. um, guinea pigs, if you train them young to be guinea it, pigs
1: have personality,
0: guinea pigs have personality, yeah. they're sentient. They, I mean, they're not as smart as, you know, in terms of like a lot of the cognitions and seeing, but they're very loving. Yep. Um, and then, and bunnies. Bunnies. Bun, there's bunny, and, and now the big rise in bunny therapy, kitten therapy, and goat therapy. So if you are in an area, especially in New England, there's lots of farms that you can go and go and do goat yoga, yep. which I've done. They They stand on you. Yep. And <laughs> it's fun. Um, and then there's kitten yoga. So you can do yoga with pretty much any animal. They have bunny yoga, kitten yoga.
1: I haven't seen bunny yoga, but.
0: Yes. Well, yeah. there's a farm over in um, near Bedford that mm-hmm. has bunny yoga.
1: Okay.
0: And um, they basically just bounce around you while you're doing yoga.
1: I understand. But you don't want to lie around places where there are rabbits.
0: <laughs> it's, well, it's not... hey, there's no. Listen, all <laughs> the animals that I've ever done yoga with somewhere along line pooper pee on you or near you. Yep. I mean, it's just inevitable because yeah. they're out in the they're out in the farm area.
1: My ex uh, brother in law went in the military and was assigned to Germany, and he had a collection of lizards, mm. and they got distributed among the family. And we got an iguana, yeah, and Sophie, and it's surprising how much personality. You wouldn't think they have any personality, but yeah. she had a lot of personality. It just
0: they do. They're very and they're very interesting. I had a, I had a lizard. They're very hard to keep alive, first of all, because they have to have the right temperature and the right lighting, and they have to have all this oh, hot yeah. rocks and and they have to and they get like little diseases and all that. But I did have a lizard in college with friends and he we kept him alive for quite some time. He, it was hard to keep him. Amphibians are yeah. Hard to keep. Turtles are a little different. But when you get like into the whole lizard family, yeah. ugh, it's a lot well, she of, it's a lot a, of work.
1: She was an iguana sickle on a couple of occasions. She'd go out in the sun deck and lay in the sun and then the sun would move and she wouldn't.
0: Yeah, because and I'd come hold. home and I'd
1: just pick her up and you'd have to hold her and warm her up a little yeah. bit. But she ended up in the San Diego Zoo because she became egg bound. Oh, and we took her to a vet and the vet said, you know, told us what the problem was and said, you know, the San Diego Zoo would take her. I that's said, cool. Okay, fine. Yeah, that's because nice. Probably better for her.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's great. Well, and San Diego Zoo, shout out to them. They they have a great program. Because she I'm,
1: consulted with, with a doctor there about it, and then said, "We'll take it if they, yeah." Oh, that's good. Yeah,
0: that's very wonderful. Yeah. So there's a there's a plenty there's plenty of zoos out there that, um. So I have to be very careful of this because zoo supporting zoos sometimes isn't always the best thing because they do breed. Notice that yeah breed in air quotes they breed for conservation purposes, but it's as we would say at Big Cat Rescue, it's for con. Conservation issues. It's okay. like it's it's a money maker, yeah. and so so San Diego Zoo has a pretty good reputation, and so does like the Tampa Zoo. Um, but you just have to be mindful, obviously, when they take animals. And I'm just saying that because it's it's always on my mind because of the conservation that um, you know animals bred in the wild can't leave, and people are always like, mm. well, you know, they're breeding for conservation, but they can't ever leave. So if you you've got 500 cheetahs, like mm, there's a yeah. zoo in this country. There's a couple zoos that are sort of side, side street zoos, but they're sort of popular and whatever. And they breed heavily on certain animals like cheetahs, you know, I'll throw one right out there. And um, they overbreed to the point where, well, they shouldn't be breeding, but they do overbreed. And unfortunately people have to remember, because the common thing with, with people always ask me from big cat, when I know, when they know I work there is, well, why do you do that? Why do you keep them in the cages? And why do you make them stay? Well, they we don't ever breed them they come to us to be they rest they're rescued they come we we hold them for the rest of their lives in a beautiful open spot for them that they Mm -hmm. could have but it's not the same as being in the wild but you can't release them back because they have no defenses to do that they haven't been raised they've been domesticated in some way or they've had so much inbreeding or so much whatever that it's not like you can put them in a crate and ship them over to Africa and say, here you go. And now you'll become part of the lion pack. It doesn't work like that. Right. So if you have, if you've, if you've bred hundreds of cheetahs, for instance, like this zoo here has done um, that I'm talking about. There's um, no place to put them. They, they're, right. And so what they do is they sell them and, and it goes on a hot black market and, and then people own them and can't care for them. And they end up coming anyway to accredited real sanctuaries, at, you know or they get kept in the zoos that can't really afford to have them and then they're neglected and it's just a very vicious cycle. So <clears throat> and that this was not knocking the San Diego Zoo because the San Diego yep, right. zoo, zoo does a great job and and um and the Cincinnati Zoo with Jack Hanna, Jack Hanna's part of was you know you'd think he's wonderful and ph- philanthropic and all these things and the poor man has dementia. Well, well, the man knew what he was doing he's and he actually is part of the problem. So he's part of that problem is he
1: is Jack Hanna still alive.
0: Uh, I don't think he died yet. I think he just has dementia. He's did he be, die?
1: I don't know, but he's got like a, got to be like a hundred something.
0: <laughs> he's not a hundred. Well, you can look it up, but yeah. I don't think he's dead yet, but I do know that he does, he did have dementia. And so, um, and he, he was, he was definitely knocked for, I have to turn my body because the dog is like laying on my arm and it's falling asleep. Um, he was knocked for a lot of the conservation um, stuff he was doing under the guise of conservation, and he definitely was an educator, and so on. And he looks like a wonderful human being that would be doing all kinds of good things, right? Yep. But at the end of the day, and um, there's a new there's a new curator or a new president of the Cincinnati Zoo who's come in and is um, revamping the old ways of doing things. And I I believe in some of the things I've read recently, um, the accreditation process. He's trying to get it so they're fully, really accredited with real true zoological associations and things that are not just like the made up ones that are allowing people to get through the loopholes of buying, breeding, trading, touching, selling, and doing all the things that create and perpetuate the abuse of the animal. Um And unfortunately, Jack Hanna was actually contributing to that process.
1: Jack is 75 um, and he's still alive.
0: Yeah. And he has dementia.
1: And I, I'm, Alzheimer's. Oh, does he, I confused him with someone else who was also on the tonight show, but- <laughs>
0: Oh, you're thinking of the Tonight Show. Yeah. Are you thinking of Steve Irwin?
1: Oh, I know. He's yeah, so he Steve got killed Irwin by a may uh, Steve Irwin
0: Ray. from Australia was I would say would be a true conservationist. He yeah. didn't do the buying, breeding, trading, touching, selling. He just liked to go out and wrestle alligators. no and, who's yeah.
1: on with Johnny Carson I always bring the animals on?
0: Um, I think that was Steve Irwin did that.
1: No, before him. There was some I, Mutual I thought it was Omaha's Jack Hanna, Wild
0: but. Kingdom with Merlin Marlin Perkins. Maybe that just dated me did it, you see that wow yeah nobody else that's listening except for maybe joe ferris and john will probably <laughs> remember or and joanne will be like oh i remember him Yep. mutual of Omaha wasn't that on sunday nights at seven or right before disney <laughs> came on
1: yeah right before disney right
0: <coughs> um so hi look at the cuteness factor can you even see him oh my god he's, no, so he he's just looking at me you gonna bark no barking um dogs i
1: don't know The relationship with dogs is there's so many benefits it's just they're the best i mean there's we don't talk about the pain in the ass type of stuff but because animals are a commitment
0: well well and and so here's the thing and and if you if you're looking to have that's why the thing with the pandemic was so important that people you know people looked to find pastime like oh it's i don't have anything else to do you get a dog and now you've had it for two and a half years or a cat or, and now you're going back to work and now you're crating it for 10 hours a day like you can't do that yeah. and now you don't know what to do and the, and the dog... dog
1: was raised with a lot of interaction right that he, that he's losing because you're going back to work
0: and so right and it's a huge loss and i think that I, this has changed a lot in the trending, but I still hear it sometimes like, oh, it's just a cat. It's just a dog. It's yeah. not. They're sentient beings. And with that comes emotion and, and thought and in and the animal. And they have feelings and people often. I still have people around me that will say they don't feel anything. that's, oh, that's I crazy. don't know who you are. We. I'm a mammal. I feel you're like, no, that's not true. That's, so
1: how can you ever be around an animal and not understand? You know their emotions around things
0: exactly yeah exactly and that they're impacted by you know when people have um screaming in the house and you know not stable households and things that are going really poorly and uh, you know and all those things hello from cabo san lucas mexico by the way
1: who's from mexico
0: um the last person who Hilda? just came in held yes Nice. Yes. Hello from Mexico, all the way down on the point of the Baja. Thank you for joining us this morning.
1: I'm guessing it's warm in Mexico. Uh,
0: it, it. Well, down in Cabo at this time of year, it's very, very nice. <laughs> so if you've never been, you should definitely go. Um
1: I mean, I, I have to manage my day around. I, I don't want to like, for example, yesterday, I didn't want to go home and then leave the dog again. You know, it was just like, putting him through the, that separation again. It was just like, I'm just going to stay out and do my stuff and then come home. And then I'll be able to stay home because but just a separation.
0: See, yeah. this is, this is the problem. <laughs>
1: yeah. What is the problem?
0: This is the problem with the dog thing is that cats, cats, you don't have to do that with, I right. mean, you can like, when I go on vacation, I leave them after a couple of days. and like, Oh, I miss them. And yeah. they definitely miss me and whatever. But with the dog, that's exactly, it's like, you have to time out. Like he's been coming to work with me. Yeah. Right. So he gets, now he's tearing my hair. So now, <laughs> <laughs> okay and so he last night when I wanted to go to the gym I had to do a pass-off because him being alone he hates it yeah. and he screams and he barks and he whines and then you get trained into being codependent with him
1: right yeah and
0: it's not that's a downside to it for me because <laughs> then it pulls on your empathy and your heartstrings of like I yep. can't leave him and can't take him to the gym because they don't allow it yep. so and can't take him to the restaurants even though you're cute
1: when I did the trip for my daughter's wedding a couple of weeks ago, the Aussie got mad at me. When I came back, he was mad at me. It was like it was a good day and a half before he really just kind of yep. curled up at me. Yep. Yeah. It was like I'm looking for the big reunion. Everyone's running, running the camera with the videotapes. He just walked right by me.
0: Yep. How dare you? How leave dare
1: me. you? yes. How dare Screw you leave
0: me? Oh, I get that with the cats too. Yep. It's like I get the back turn. Like hmm. Yep. Hmm. You're home, but hmm, I'm going to make you suffer. I'm not going to sleep in bed tonight, That's which actually is a benefit because since I have five, they sleep everywhere and I just contort around them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You must have allergies, don't you?
0: Oh, well, you hear it? Yeah. The the dog is the only thing right now that's not making me sneeze Yeah.
1: because
0: he's hypoallergenic. Thank God. (laughs) So he doesn't shed. He does get a little dirty because he was really bright white when I got him. (laughs) And the very first thing he did was eat goose poop. Oh, God. so we had to do a whole mouth clean
1: oh, and the yeah. whole maw
0: clean because he ate goose poop. Yeah, well, that's awesome, huh?
1: Well, he didn't know,
0: I know, so he's, <laughs> he's lucky he's cute, yep. he is very cute. I would, I would babysit him all the time, but I just wouldn't own him. That's the best thing is that he gets to go back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like your grandmom.
0: I, I, yeah, oh, no, auntie, 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 okay. grandmother.
1: Okay, I look old enough that's to be a
0: grandmother, fine. really? So, you, Raffi, yeah. oh my god if we weren't on air
1: oh lucy he He can't be that oh he's eight months
0: he's eight months yeah i'm 27
1: (laughs) still look at at how
0: fun and free and easy this conversation is because we're talking about a lovely little animal see how much fun they make you have
1: yeah because they're not a pain in the ass like people well Uh, well, right except you don't have to go
0: i hate dogs it's like you you know because you love them
1: except the cats there can be a pain
0: Okay, if you crack on a cat one more time, Lou, (laughs) the end of the show afterwards not going to be fun for you.
1: I have two cats.
0: You don't have two cats. Your girlfriend has two cats, and you tolerate them, and that's why you never mentioned to me that you have them because you didn't want me to know, because you didn't want me to give you a hard time, because you don't like them.
1: No, I don't dislike them. (sighs) I just don't have, you know, I don't have the relationship I have with the dog. By the way, one of them just runs every time. Someone comes near her
0: because she knows you don't like her.
1: No, that's not true, and she's warmed up lately, by the way. Nope. And the other one is just a, it's just a lug. He just, just doesn't listen. Just keeps going. He's He doesn't listen. Yep.
0: Doesn't listen. Doesn't listen. Yep. Doesn't. Okay. We're gonna have a different conversation, but it won't be on the show. It won't be on. the <laughs> so doggies, doggies listen. Kitties, tell us what we they want.
1: Well, right? Dogs don't always listen either.
0: You don't listen, do you? Yeah. No. Um, isn't he cute though? Yeah. Look at that face. Ooh, looky loo. Gene Simmons. Look at the Gene Simmons tongue. <laughs> Um, okay. So anyway, so moving along, cause this was not where I was going today with the show, but he did make a good talking piece yes. for health. Um, what I was going to talk to you about today. In but I think list- the
1: takeaway is you can get into some animal therapy benefits yes. without owning a pet.
0: You can. You so can you find, there's out, a yes. lot of therapists now out there that do have animals in their offices. Um, they usually list it on their websites. Like I listed on my website. Um, there are more and more, especially dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a rarity cause I have the cats. Um, but there are more and more places that do have their dog. And you just have to, I have a colleague that does have a dog and his dog is incredibly bouncy and and he gets a little, I've had, I've had clients that also share the him as a colleague, you know, in terms of one of their family members. And I often get reports that, the dog bounces a lot on them and it's, but they don't speak up. So I'm always yeah. trying to say, well, this is where you advocate for yourself. Right. That, yeah. You know, you say, can you please not let your dog bounce on me? Like I'd like him to sit with me, but please not. So, yeah. So there's that. Um, but usually, um, usually the dogs are, um, very well trained and uh you know it's and they're usually not small dogs like this Uh, he's not an animal Mm -hmm. he's just with me but they're usually like german shepherds labs
1: right you want the curl up are they're
0: they're dogs that have a lot of intuition and smarts to be able to sit with you know they're not a lap dog like this they're they're an actual big size dog that has a lot of a lot of stuff going on in terms of like sensory and understanding and trainability and stuff like that. So I love
1: talking to my Aussie because he listens to me and he tilts his little head and he's trying to understand and he just, you know, sure. Whatever.
0: Absolutely. You're Uh, awesome. And and they're just, and there's, and the other thing, I can't say this enough is the, the, the cats and dogs both are very good detectors of illness. So if like, you know, I can't tell you how many times people have, um, I've either read reports Or have seen several cases where the dog or the cat has, um, John says show Rocky, where the, okay, where um, the report is that, you know, the dog has helped spot out cancer
1: Hmm.
0: or like some kind of uh, cardiac event or something coming um, because they detect it. Okay, everybody, he's on screen for the request to see the dog again. There he is. He's a superstar. He's Rocky the rock star. (laughs) <laughs> he always licks everything. look, lick, 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 lick. What was he? Lou? Go lick Lou. Go lick Lou. He's got
1: his tongue halfway out. I up. know. Always. <laughs> it's always out.
0: Always. Yep. So um, he's very cute. He'll he'll fall asleep like this, and my arm will be like exhausted. Yep. And he's only three pounds. <laughs> so um, he, he's he's clearly tired.
1: Not yes, really. He's um.
0: So what I really wanted to talk about today, as where it, it kind of relates, but May. As you know, is um, what did he say? What therapy for a malingerer. A is mal- that what he just asked me?
1: For a malinger.
0: What therapy would be,
1: uh-huh. be
0: used for? A malinger. Are you talking about a malingerer? I don't know. Like a person who's malingering. Like, do you know what that means, Lou? I don't. Well, I want to make sure that's what he's asking before I even bother to answer it, because it could go down a different shoot. <laughs> I don't want to go down that shoot if I don't. So, is, could you ask? Our listener, if that's what he's asking,
1: Bruce, clarify, please. Um,
0: yeah, so yes, a malingerer. Yeah. So a person who's malingering, um, animal therapy. So malingerers are people who um, kind of hang in their crap, right? So malinger, they hang around. They that's a clinical through, diagnosis, huh?
1: That's a clinical diagnosis.
0: So yeah, so it, it yep. goes along with things like factitious disorder. Like people who have, you know, um fictional disorders in their head, but they believe that they are true. So sort of like Munchausen by proxy, but people sometimes will malinger. They will sit in their Can I say that word? Sure. They will sit in their shit. Yep. Ooh, that's the first time I've sworn on my show. <laughs> they'll sit in their shit and they'll malinger in it because they have a secondary gain. We call it a secondary gain. They're getting attention for it, even though it's something that's not healthy or it's bad for them but they will malinger and hang and hang and hang in it because it's the coping strategy that they've figured out works to get them something even though it might might not be the best thing i mean this is a really it draws
1: attention and support
0: essentially so i mean there's a bigger piece to it but it's a different show but yes so to answer the question um The best type of therapy actually for that is cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavior therapy. So CBT and DBT, Um, animal assisted therapy helps with any kind of thing. You can have an animal assist on anything, but the actual true um, valid empirically validated true working things that will actually help someone move past their malingering would be DBT and CBT in that order.
1: Can, can I take, can I drag you off the path here for sure. a second? Because of you,
0: course you can. You
1: brought, you brought up, uh, you know, fict- fictitious illnesses,
0: mm-hmm.
1: things like that. And it just occurred to me and I won't remember this, which is why I want to get it now. Do you remember the Justina Pelletier case with Children's Hospital? Yes. And that was mitochondrial disease. Yes. And Children's Hospital, the doctor who uh, essentially took her into custody. Said that mitochondrial disease doesn't exist that was basically a position right right does it exist
0: so i don't know the answer to that specifically i because i didn't really look into it i mean i just went along with what they had said and whatever um i don't know i i can look it up and i can certainly find out but i if the doctor at the time how long ago was that i can't remember
1: oh god years six five six years six years ago
0: um my guess is i'm going to take an educated guess on because mitochondrial stuff um my guess is it's not a real disease because just how it works Mm -hmm. um but i'd want to make sure i check in the facts on that but um a good example if i can just elaborate on that good example of factitious disorders are things like a person's anxiety is so high when they get separated and go to college that they go to college and all of a sudden go into paralysis and can't walk, Mm -hmm. or they go blind, but in all medical exams, there's not actually blindness, or there's not actually paralysis. The person can actually walk, or the person can actually see, but they have believed in their mind that they have convinced themselves that no, they in fact cannot do that. Um, That's, you know, one example of factitious, like it's not a...
1: Isn't this the same uh, it's syndrome. a reaction.
0: It's a reactionary yeah. response to something else going on. You sounds know, like every trip. Codependency. Uh, what is wrong with you now? <laughs>
1: sounds like every trip to WebMD. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. It, yeah. it, it, you know, so it, you
1: talk yourself into you having something.
0: Well, yes, but it's it's at a very deep level. Yeah. It's very rare to have fact. It's one of the more rare, like it's like dissociative identity disorder that's really rare. Factitious disorders are very rare. Like Munchausen's bioproxy is very rare. These are all sort of those rare things. But um, usually you see things like borderline personality disorder would be more likely in terms, also a rare thing to have. But if it is there, to your friend's point, right? Bruce, yeah. Bruce, it would be that's part of like a malingerer, Mm -hmm. you know, a person with that kind of disorder would malinger in their stuff because there's a secondary gain to it. They're getting attention for it. So like someone who malingers in their um, blindness or deafness or inability to get up and go to class because their legs are paralyzed and their parents come and all of a sudden they can walk because they visited or things like that. That's, they're getting a secondary gain from it. So there's multiple pieces that go into all the diagnostic tools that we use to um understand and create a diagnosis to explain a behavior it's not just simple like that but i'm you know for the basis of the show that you have to meet all these criteria for it which is interesting because if you're following which is a whole different rabbit hole to go down this this on this show because i still haven't gotten to what i wanted to talk about today but um if you're watching the johnny depp amber heard trial yeah which is a whole, I was going to do that this week, but I'm going to wait till she testifies because I have a lot already to say about that case Yep. as an outsider watching that. So if you are glued into watching the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp case, it's quite interesting. Um, just as the fact that, you know, um, there's a lot of what looks like some personality disorder stuff going on, maybe in both. Um, yep. um, but I haven't heard her yet, but I've only heard her on the tapes that they're playing. And there's serious, there's some serious mental health issues going on there for sure. Then um, you can hear it in those tapes and good thing he taped them. But also to to the point of whether or not he did or didn't abuse her, um, she definitely, at least on surface right now, abused him. Yeah. And, and people have asked me this past week and a half, like, uh, is there domestic is there domestic violence really truly against men? Absolutely. Oh, and I've had over my 26, 27 years, multiple cases of men who get abused. And it's not just, you know, and they think of it as hitting, like she has a whole tape if you, I don't know if you listened to the yeah. trial yesterday, but she has a whole tape that he was saying to her, like, I don't want to get into this argument with you because it gets into throwing punches. And she kept just saying, it's just an argument and I didn't punch you. I hit you. So, and she kept yeah. going on and on about how she didn't punch him. <clears throat> she hit him and mm-hmm. he said, no, you punch me. And I don't want to have this argument. He was trying to get away from her. Yeah, He was trying to rationally talk to her to get away. And she kept saying, if you leave, it makes it worse. It's not helping. And, it, and it, that's, that's sort of what I'm talking about yeah. with some of this stuff that we're saying today about, you know, the malingering and the diagnostics. So well, when she that's... testifies in the next week, which she's already supposed to start and she hasn't yet, I don't think. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting because then I'll put it together in my head and, you know, obviously qu- Monday morning cornerback, and I'm outside of it. and I'm not really the person that's doing it. Can you stop licking my. Sw- OK, he's licking my jacket. <laughs> um, <laughs> One of the
1: things we underestimate on humans, I think, too much is that in the absence of positive attention, everyone wants positive attention. But right. in the absence of positive attention, people will take negative attention. Yes. And it, it seems counterintuitive. But it's 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 better basic than principle. Right. Exactly. Which is
0: why that's the secondary gain. Yeah. So people will, you know, oftentimes because, you know, I'm a straight shooter. So with some of my clients that have some of these things, I will say I'll point that out. I'll say, you know, you're getting something from this. And I always, always get the response of no, I'm not. Yeah. Yes, you are. Yep. And then I will explain much to their either happiness and acceptance or usually to their anger and annoyance at me that. Uh, because i'm pointing out that you are actually getting something out of it and this is what it is and it's not good
1: this is a because teenage, what you
0: really want is this other thing but you're not getting yeah. it because you're using this strategy to get this thing
1: this is a teenage game largely, isn't it because yeah because a, this a is a very what very happens develop,
0: with, it's so so if i'm staying with clinical it's a very developmentally immature way of managing things yeah. but many people do this because they never developmentally cognitively or neurocognitively get out of it because they they go with what they know which is a standard coping strategy for defending themselves over whatever you know abuse neglect and abuse doesn't have to be punching and right and verbal like just it can be it can be someone who's not been nurtured it can be someone who's been under nurtured or neglected in some way, even nutritionally. Like there's all kinds yep. of things. People think of abuse as just like someone hitting or saying something mean. Abuse falls along a long continu- continuum that accumulates over time. So it falls in there.
1: And the best abuse is is chronic, isn't it? It's it's, it's low grade and it's chronic.
0: Um, it, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Funny, I mean that's, abuse, that's but, one yeah. of the hardest. Yeah. W- yes. I mean, certainly. But there can be one instance of abuse that yeah. can be lifelong and very damaging. Yep. Yeah you know, depends on what it is. But but yes, but chronic that's the, accumulated uh, over time usually is
1: that's where you end up when you have lack of control, right? And teenagers don't have a lot of control. Right. Generally speaking, in their parental relationships, the parents the parent. Right. And if they're struggling with raising the child, they usually that goes even further because they take more control
0: over mm-hmm. the
1: child. So the act out is to go for negative attention. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. And so, that's where
1: the balance of power shifts a little bit.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's and it's better to get it's better to get, you know, something than nothing. Yep. And so I see, I see that a lot. I'm working with a case right now that I can't identify too much on, but I can say that the behavior of the teenager currently in the past two weeks has changed back to being much more healthy and normal because I think that I'm offering a buffering point of the fact that I have called out the behavior in front of the parents and showed also the parents how they're contributing to the problem. And it's hard to, defy the logic and the obvious facts of what's going on so that makes it much easier but before they came to me they were you know it was the kid it was the kid it was the kid and oftentimes and it's you know jokes are made movies are made about like oh it's always the parent's fault it's not the parent's fault but oftentimes because kids are easy targets because they're innocent because they're supposed to fall in line because they're supposed to be this meet this expectation parents put the onus on them Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden don't have any responsibility and accountability for actually how they're contributing to the problem. You know, it's that, well, I deserve respect. Well, you know, your kid may be 15, but you deserve respect, but they do too. Yeah. And so, and you get a lot of old school flack back around that, that, that concept, even with contemporary parents that, well, when I was being raised or but that's not relevant.
1: Well, the principle with respect with parents and children is usually there's a default respect and default respect doesn't exist. Right. You earn respect. You.
0: And that's, and and that's a big, that's a big problem. I still see even over, you know, and and I grew up with that. It's a default respect, especially to win, win an argument. It's like if a parent's winning, parents losing an argument, so to speak. And the child is like making a good point, which I see a lot. The parents like, well, you know, show some respect. It's like, well, it's the same thing I say to kids. I'm hearing you, but just because I'm not doing what you want me to do doesn't mean that I'm not hearing you. Right. Same thing. The parents not getting what they want, but it's also not healthy what they want. And but demanding
1: respect never works.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's something has and, to be... everybody, and everybody is a human being. Mm-hmm. And even if they're 15 or 10, there is a level of respect that has to be shown. And it's not deference of like just giving in to kids. It's about I can I can say no to you and I will still hear you and still respect you and you can still be like, okay, I understand. Why it's that well,
1: that's usually the beginning part of it, isn't it? Because the parent doesn't show respect to the child. So you're the child, I'm the parent. This is just the way it is. And then that's the only relationship model that the they child know. has. Right. Right? It's control.
0: Right.
1: As opposed to respect, it's control.
0: Right. So- or you have the or you have the inconsistency of respect me and then tell you tell the child what you require but then never follow up on it and so they blow you off and find ways past you right which happens a lot yeah. you know like clean your room uh-huh and then they they say yep and then a week later i told you to clean your room yeah. okay but you didn't there's no consequence for that and you didn't clean your room and you well, didn't do anything the
1: famous one if you don't behave we're leaving yes it should never be if you don't right. behave we're yes. leaving it should be you pick them up and you leave
0: right exactly and then
1: you get in the car and you say i left because you weren't behaving right Right. As a, because when you threaten and don't follow through, you, you're handing over your respect. I right. Mean, why would they? Why would they listen to you? Exactly. Yeah.
0: And then they get to know that you're never going to follow through. And they'll right. tell you that by the time you get to teenager and they I have teenagers tell me all the time, oh, she's not going to she's not going to remember that she said it. Yep. She's not going to ever come and check. She's not going to ever listen she doesn't listen. He doesn't. It's, and it's really common because they get to know the pattern because the parents give up because they'd rather not have the fight. Right. But the problem is that's doing more damage down the line. And it's also teaching the kid how to parent their kid down the line as well. Yeah. So, okay. Coming back around to the thing that I'm going to end up having the show about next week as well. So, so we did cardiovascular health last week and the mental, so it's mental health awareness month may is along with, I think that every single day there's some new, like today is national blah, blah, blah day, Oh, okay. but May is national mental health awareness month. And so um, in keeping in lines with, so last week, cardiovascular health, but this week I was talking, I want to just briefly go over the fact that <clears throat> he's, I'm allergic to him, I think. Yep. Um, talking about uh, the impact of sugar and not, we're not talking about diet right now. We're just talking about the impact of sugar on, on like diabetes mm. and on mental health. Yep. So one, sugar, you know, clearly it has, you know, the implication to rev up medical conditions, lots of different ones, particularly diabetes. Um, and also um, mental health issues. So people say, well, what do you mean sugar does? Because, you know, there was lots of controversy back in the day about ADD. And it makes, yep. But we know that sugar and over... Abundance of sugar, and then people obviously make excuses saying, "Well, I don't eat sugar." Well, actually, you do. Mm-hmm. It's in a lot of things that you don't realize. But an overabundance of sugar actually can lead to depression. Um, it's very similar to alcohol, sort of, in a way mm-hmm. that it's it's a depressant at its higher levels. So, if you're a person who eats a lot of um, like processed food. Mm-hmm. Um, fried foods Mm -hmm. um sugar in general or or sugar replacements like i i admit that i put my little Truvia, you know that's not sugar sugar but it's like the closest thing to sugar um in those you know at moderation and minimal then it's fine but when you start adding in um things that will have the sugar impact like even okay so monosodium msg monosodium glutamate's is extra salt for flavor it pushes the sugar levels for you to want more sugary things you know you're more likely mm. to eat carbs at the chinese restaurant because it has msg in it so if you're going to do that you should ask for no msg added to your food hopefully they, they listen
1: yeah
0: <clears throat> because lots of people have allergies to that um adding in certain dyes to food create more sugar push in the body but what sugar does is for mental health is not only does it press on the cardiovascular system it also pe- presses on the liver the kidney and the pancreas to create more stress hormone cortisol and it revs up your anxiety levels your besides blood pressure and hmm. other things but it's anxiety and and depression and some of the organic illnesses much higher rates um, than ever before, and um, and we definitely know that just sugar, clearly straight, like, and we're not talking out of fruit. We're talking regular, just sugar add. Yeah. Um, sugars and, um, fat and high fried food content. If you're a fried food person, you have French fries from McDonald's and Burger King and Wendy's, and you're eating. Um, french fries in general, or you're eating, fr- you know, fried clams and you know, fried seafood, and that's yeah. how you eat seafood, and you have that twice a week, and then you have that's all sugar, and that sugar converts to your feeling of low mood, or up and down, dysregulated moods, and so. Um, not only does it do that, but then it's also putting stress on your body. Hmm. So it makes you gain belly fat, which pulls against your, your cardiovascular system because it goes against your lungs and on your heart and also pulls down on your pancreas and, and helps the cortisol go into fight and flight mode more. So yeah. there it's such a big implication for what people put into their bodies around sugar and um and this has come up a lot for a variety of reasons, one in my personal life, but also in my professional life a little bit more is that just because you have a genetic predisposition to something, like say you have an obese family, Mm. say you have diabetes, say you have heart disease. I have all those things in my family. I know friends of mine that have that all in their family. Just because it's in your genetic code does not mean that that's your um destiny destiny yeah your destiny is what you make so you can be a healthy person that's not obese without Mm -hmm. diabetes and cardiovascular heart disease because you make good choices if you go and buy into well it's just my genes and i'm going to be this way yeah it's it's you're lying to yourself and it's a cop-out and there's scads of research and scads of anecdotal front on evidence that you are, you are what you eat. You are, you can't, unru- you can't outrun a bad diet. Right. So you can go to the gym for three hours and, and ride a bike at level one and read a book for th- the three hours. That's not the same as riding the bike without reading at a high pace for 30 minutes or you know, walking at a 2.0, which is barely a 20 minute mile um, for two hours versus getting five miles in at a quick pace and getting it moving. I mean, so people will say, I went to the gym and I see people do this all the time at the gym. So I am speaking from the gym. Mm -hmm. It's like they come into the gym and, and you see this group of people that work really hard, you know, young kids that come in and you can see them busting their humps and doing their thing and they really, you know, doing it. Then you see people that come in and then they get on the treadmill and it's like they're having full blown conversations like on the phone and watching a show and reading and they go for an hour and they're, they're definitely talking about malingering, right? They're telling themselves I worked out. No, you didn't. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's, you went to the gym and you got on the treadmill, but you didn't actually work out. There's a big difference. And in order to get rid of, if you're going to eat the sugars and the fried foods and the processed foods and the dyes and all the stuff that you're eating. You cannot ever outrun that by doing that kind of workout. You have to work out with intention because your body doesn't mm-hmm. move any of that. And so when people say, well, it's, you know, genetic, I don't ascribe to that. Yes, there's certainly you know medically, there's certainly thyroid issues and all that. But th- that doesn't mean it's your destiny. Just means
1: you should be more diligent about that's these issues. Right. Yeah.
0: That means that you shouldn't just succumb to it and submit, well, this is what I'm supposed to look like or feel like or be like. Yep. Because you you have it, you're you have a sense of agency that is all unto yourself, that you have a choice to make. It's like being an addiction. Do you want to drink or yep. do you not want to drink? Are you going to um he says malinger or lazy? Yep. Um I call it unmotivated. Yeah. I don't call people lazy. I call people unmotivated because usually they, usually most people aren't actually lazy. They've just been trained to be unmotivated because they don't have any sense of purpose. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's mixing a little words, but there's actually lazy. If you say someone's lazy, they're much more inclined to stay lazy. Yep. When you say you're unmotivated and you haven't learned to be motivated and here's what you need to do to be more motivated, people are much more inclined to move on that. Um, well, it's
1: about giving up control right. because assuming you have control over a situation is taking responsibility and people don't right. want to take responsibility.
0: Well, and that and so So lazy
1: is I'm lazy, lazy is I'm pretty. That's who I am. Right. So it's out of my control. Whereas unmotivated is, well, you know, that's just you're responsible for your motivation.
0: Well, right. And so when people are labeled lazy, I'm just lazy. Uh, I didn't have, you know that what it does is it, it does all the things you just said, but it also takes away the attunement to the body. You don't have to pay attention to what your body's telling you because you've given in. Yeah. So you if you are unmotivated and you don't watch what you eat, and you don't exercise, and you don't um, counter the falsehood of the lie that it's genetics, it's making you that way, you become stuck in, you know, early death and mortality rates that, go, you know, like I talked about last week with yeah. my friend, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that, that's not, it's something you can control and you, and and so many people just let it, let it go. Now I've seen a huge trend shift in the past decade and through the pandemic of people. I mean, people talked about a huge weight gain. I actually saw more people get motivated and do more while they were in the pandemic to keep their boredom off. So I actually saw people get healthier. Mm -hmm. I saw people, I I did see people gain a little bit of weight, but most of the people that got to that point was only a few pounds. And then they were like, Oh, I got to what do you suggest I should do? Blah, blah, blah. Because they were sitting at home and not yep. leaving and doing all those things. Um, I know that the trend in the country was that people gained weight over the pandemic. But-, um, but Well, you've got
1: a qualified audience because the people you're talking with, the right. people you're dealing with, are the people who are looking for improvement. Well, anyway. right, just self-selecting yep. in yep. to not
0: want to feel that way and right. be that way, right? Yep. So, um, right. And I think that, uh, you know, Recently, I I, I saw a doctor. I didn't see a doctor, but I I heard about a doctor who was telling two of my patients that they're getting ready for surgery and they didn't have to have any weight loss prior to the surgery. When in fact, the standard protocol for their surgery is always to lose X amount of weight first before. So it showed like if you ever watch 600 Pound Life, right? It's Dr. Now always says you must lose. 50 pounds to show me that you're invested in it right. because yep. if you don't, you're, you're never going to be able to maintain 400 pound loss because it's all going to come back. And then more people think that they get gastric bypass or they have breast reductions or they yeah. have um, stapled stomachs or they have tummy tucks that all of a sudden that's going to cure them for life and they can keep their lifestyle up. That is not how that works. It comes back. So if you don't actually actively take a role in doing something to keep off that um, Uh, it's not just the weight, it's to keep the behavioral pattern in the right lane, then you're going to just have it all come back. And people think, well, yeah, but I had gastric bypass or I, you know, I had liposuction. Right. But you have to maintain some level of non-sugar intake and non-fatty foods and non you have to exercise you have to move and so the bet you know and i'm working with people with menopause right now and you know they're taking supplement after supplement like you've got that's great you can take all the supplements that's yes there's some supplements that are great but movement always gets the metabolism going for whether it's post-menopause pre-menopause menopause men have andropause it's the female it's the male form of of menopause um the androgen and the testosterone are change over time in your age group um if you have <laughs> and and mood related disorders yeah um if i've if, always had that <laughs> i know oh i know different conversation Lou. Yep. um but you know for all the things it's like you can't there's no quick fix there's no easy fix but there if you get a consistent pattern of Dogs biting the table. Um, <laughs> if you get a consistent pattern of move more than you eat in calories, have a calorie deficit that's at least 500 calories yep. from how much you've eaten, you, you know, know that you cannot be over, you know, two, I know the the FDA, says 2000 calories. That's a lot for a lot of people when it's really for females, you know, somewhere around 1200 right. calories a day wow. yeah. and it matters what the calories are, it's, you know, 1200 calories of Oreos is 1200 calories of crap versus 1,200 calories of fruits and vegetables and protein. Um, And for men, you know, 1,800, 2,000, you know, some people, you know, or something under 2,000, as long as you're burning half of that a day. But you have to really do something for that to get that going. And if you're going to have surgery or you're going to have, you're trying to get away from having cardiovascular disease or diabetes, you've got to move more than you're putting in your body, you know?
1: You've got to demonstrate the ability to, this is a, a frame of mind right. endeavor as much as anything else.
0: Did you see me just reach for my glasses yep. and the one on top of my head? Yep. <laughs> you know? So, um, yes, to all those things.
1: Yeah. So, so that's why, I mean, it's the same way with anything, even transplants and things like that. They pre-screen, pre-screen patients because they don't want to give a heart to somebody who's just going to destroy it the way they did the first time.
0: Well, and so to that point, just like, you know, if you're going to have, you know, gastric bypass, or you're going to have breast reduction surgery or whatever. It's the same thing if they're not going to give a new liver or a new kidney to someone who's a drinker.
1: Right.
0: Have They're, they're not going to give, you know, you have cirrhosis of the liver and you're on the wait list for a new liver. They're going to give someone who's not been an alcoholic. They're going to give that first because they know that. Yep. that, you know
1: it's worthwhile
0: it's worth it's and it's not saying that the person who no. is the alcoholic or the person who's an addiction isn't worthwhile it's just that if the, beha- if the behavior pattern hasn't been shown to be able to be changed and the person not willing to take the action and maintain it then predictably psychologically we know that the person's just not going to bother so if you're going to do surgery and have breast reduction or you're going to have like a weight loss reduction and you haven't been doing your work to get some of that off to show I, yeah, I'm always like, yeah, yeah, you're going to be in my office. We're going to be talking about this for years about that. So, I I mean, usually my patients when they come, like, you know, like I have people who make the transition for transgender, I have, they do all the work. So that's one of the benefits that I have in my job. I've been very lucky that my, my client base has been very motivated because they're self-selected. They come because they want to know what to do to make that happen. So I mean, I think in all my patients, I've had one that hasn't done the work um, and he struggles consistently to do all the things he wants to do, but keeps coming back with, I haven't done the work and he knows he hasn't done the work. Yeah. Um, so he, and I keep recommending, I don't think you should have that surgery. And I don't think you should do those things until you do this because your pattern hasn't changed. Right. Um, he's in the mindset like many people. And I've heard that those, those two doctors I've heard from recently that are, if you have the surgery first, it doesn't work like this. If you have it first, then it'll motivate you yeah, to no. lose the weight after. It doesn't no. work like that. No. We know that psychologically it doesn't work like that. That's that's a it's a lie. Yeah. It's just easier to say it's a lie cuz our brains our human brains don't work like that. We cuz we are so much the impulse instant gratification society and so it's like, oh, well, I had it and
1: plus yeah. changing your behavior is changing your quote-unquote lifestyle right. is is an amount of work it doesn't happen instantly because you get a gain it's, it takes some time so you need some time to get into a new lifestyle before you do some of these changes
0: yes exactly i'm reading the comments yep yes so but i agree with you completely yeah so now that we've talked about everything under the sun today but it did stay in the health and and thank god rocky was here too to give us a yep. wonderful little extra slant on doing animal therapy and the benefit of how rocky an was animal well behaved and on your cardiovascular system. But next week he will still be with me next week. Okay. It will be the last day he will be going home right after the show. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but he, uh, but next week we will continue on, on mental health awareness month of May and talking about this particular topic more. And also, um, some other disorders. People last week were asking me about the differentials on like bipolar disorder and how ha- in attention deficit disorder mm. and the difference and knowing the difference in medications and so on and so forth. So we will definitely be broaching that and, um,
1: joanne wants you to bring him to class he's
0: bringing to class tomorrow that's tomorrow night probably i will (laughs) um and now now people want me to come to their restaurant and bring him there so he's very popular so um but anyway so you guys have a really oh and this weekend is mother's day that's right so don't forget to celebrate your mothers if you have them in your lives and if you don't have a mother in your life then celebrate someone that you think is a mom I'm a mom to many cats, and I've already gotten lots of Mother's Day <laughs> wishes for that. And and I had a couple clients already say Happy Mother's Day because they feel that I mothered them in a healthy way. Oh. So. So I'm a mom of the universe, I guess, or something like of the energy of the world, a spiritual mom, a spiritual mom. So um, you guys have a great, great week. And um, oh, Kathleen. Hi, Kathy. She says she misses me. Well, you can come see me. You know where I am. (laughs) Um, Anyway, you guys, happy Mother's Day. Have a great week. And I will see you next week with Rocky. Bye.